You know, in these troubling times, it's important to make sure you're eating enough. And if you're like me, and you live in New York City, you probably already know about my favorite breakfast sandwich shop. It's called Early, and it's on Manhattan Avenue in Greenpoint. They have great sandwiches and killer coffee. Yes, Early, the best breakfast sandwich in town. Look them up, you idiot. Hello. And welcome to Talking Schmidt. I'm your host, Eric Schmidt. And I'm Greg Burmeister. How about that, Greg? Oh, wow. my God. Did you see who's on the show today? Have you heard about this? Have you seen I, this? I, I did. I, I looked it up earlier. Yeah. Well, we were also texting about it. Oh, we've, we've talked about it before. You know, we, we, we run over who we're going to be having on the show. But anyway, uh, fantastic comedian, uh, Django Gold. He has written for, you might have seen his stuff in the Mc, in McSweeney's. I think he's written for stuff for The New Yorker. The, he's, the Onion. The Onion and... The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Uh, so what a life this young man has lived, and we're very excited to have him on the show. <laughs> Let's get right fucking to it, Greg. Here we go. Welcome, Django. It's good to have you here. Thanks for, thanks for being with us. Uh, let's get started. You're from California. That's right. Where, what, what, what part of California? I'm from a town called Santa Rosa, California. It's about an hour north of San Francisco. Okay. Small little suburb uh, the, town. The, the Bay Area. The Bay Area. We call that the North Bay, yeah. But I, uh, Northern California. Northern California. That's a, and how long did you live there? Well, it's after you were born. After I was born, uh, I lived there for about five years before moving, but then we came back. So cumulatively, I'd say I lived in Northern California for, let's say, 11 years. Where'd you move uh, in the between? Well, when I was like four or five, uh, we moved to Mexico very briefly. And I can't—I oh. uh, don't even remember the name of the town. And some, something Allende, possibly Puerto de Allende, something like that. Where, where, is, where is it? I don't remember. Okay, I, I, I have so little mystery. I have Ooh. so little curiosity about early about, into about, the podcast. About my and we're some mysteriousness. <laughs> yes, an, 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 an undisclosed. Where was he these years in Mexico? <laughs> undisclosed pueblo. Um, yeah, I, I just don't actually know where it was because I was also quite young. Was it for something your folks were doing for work? Yeah, yeah. My my dad was an artist, a, oh. a painter, and he wanted to paint on the cheap. So he wanted to live someplace where they could, uh, you know, live cheaply. But you know, my we I had, I was like four. My sister was, uh, you know, like one or two. So like, you know, it wasn't a good place for a very young young kids. You know. Okay, then you moved back to the same area though. Or? Well, no, then we moved to rural Illinois, mm. which is where I lived until I was eleven and or twelve maybe, and then we moved back to like Southern Illinois or a, a town called Erie, Illinois, which is a town of sixteen hundred, and I'd say it's in the Quad Cities metro area, and so much that can be called a metro area. What are the Quad Cities? The Quad Cities, uh, there's actually five of them, contrary to the name. Oh, is <laughs> Davenport, Moline, East Moline. Rock Island, and damn, this last town's gonna feel so. When I was a small boy, I, 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 I lived in Roscoe, Illinois, which is right outside of Rockford. Oh man, uh, like like far north. Yeah, right. were you north or where yeah. was it located? Yeah, so uh, I, it's on like the Iowa border, like thirty minutes east of that. Okay. Yeah. And then back to California. Then back to California. Yeah, because Davenport is in Iowa. Yes. Right? Yeah, so yeah. the Quad Cities oh, bisect yeah. the Iowa-Illinois border, or rather, oh. are, like, are in that whole area. Is that near Iowa City? 
I don't know. I, I think I've driven through there because one time uh, I went to a wedding out there yeah. in Iowa City, and we landed in Chicago because it was only it wasn't that far of a drive. Mm-hmm. So I'd probably pass through this area. It's possible. Yeah, possible. I didn't know. You know, you know, my my sense of geography is often limited to where I am at the very moment. <laughs> so I know Greenpoint pretty well. Okay, that's good. That's where we're recording. Yeah. Um, so uh, when you went back to California, is that where you went to high school, or is that when you went to high school? Okay, yeah. So you did high school in uh, high school, middle school, mm-hmm. and back in Santa Rosa, and then. From there, I moved to Boston to go to college there. Well, you're jumping past a bunch of oh, shit. Sorry. Oh, sorry. So, so anyway. When uh, did you start? With junior you... prom. Yeah. Okay. Very no, good. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, I, I did, did not attend. <laughs> oh, man. Faked me out. Sorry, man. Yeah. Uh, so when you were in elementary and middle school, is that when you got into, like, The Simpsons? I know you were you were a Simpsons fan. and uh... Yeah, I would say. So, I mean, as viewers of a certain age will recall, back then, there wasn't a lot on television, and one of the greatest things that was on TV was in syndication. You could watch two episodes of The Simpsons every single day, like 6 p.m. Right. 6 yeah. p.m. and 6.30. I, I used to tape them on VHS. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I used to watch the, the the new Simpsons episodes every Sunday right. when, when I was a kid. Yeah, and I mean, that, that was great, too, but really the formative stuff is on the weekdays. You yeah, can watch yeah. 10 episodes of The Simpsons every week. <laughs> yeah. and, just, and they were always the Conan episodes. Yeah, they, they, too, always you know? the good ones. Always, always the, the really the good best. ones. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's like tr- truly uh, the high. So what year is we talking? Here. We're talking like uh, elementary school, like fifth, sixth. Watching fifth, The Simpsons? Or, yeah, 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 I would or, say. Or early to mid 90s. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, being in like 91 to like, you know, basically 99 or something yeah. like that. Really and that's when, uh, so wherever you lived, uh, you, they must have had Comedy Central because I remember you mentioned that you got into the, specifically the Dana Carvey stand up special was like an early yeah, yeah, stand up yeah. special. I think I into. first was aware of Comedy Central when I moved back to California because I remember distinctly. When we first moved into our house and we didn't really have any furniture, I remember one night, like early on, my sister and I stayed up and we watched Comedy Central for like 14 hours straight. <laughs> and back in that th- those days, Comedy Central had almost nothing on it. Right. It was basically like a bunch of shitty movies that they had, you know, purchased the rights right. to. Right. And that's about it. I don't even think The Daily Show had started then. And I think, so we watched like the same, like I think we watched like Airheads twice. <laughs> like, Such and, a good movie. And movies like f- way farther down the totem pole than Airheads right. as well. But I d- definitely remember that being my first exposure to Comedy Central. We didn't get Comedy Central in my hometown until 96, I want to say. Yeah. And by that point, they were just airing uh, late 80s, early 90s, uh, Saturday Night Live. And, yeah, it was that type of deal. Yeah, and... Um, and uh, oh my God, what's the and uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail? That so that was all it was, and that was I was in sixth grade, and that was just the perfect. That was all. Yeah, that was all I loved right there. And then obviously the Dana Carvey stand-up special as well, mm-hmm. which uh, has aged okay. Have you watched it recently? I, have, I haven't seen it in a while. I mean, I just like <laughs> know the bits pretty well, but I have not watched it in a while. Yeah, the impersonation of Judge Ito is a little. Oh, I don't, I, don't, I don't even remember him doing it. Does he do uh, it? A, a bit? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, that's the part that hasn't aged well. I'm sure there's Man, others, but I can't. I, no wonder I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> My brain is censoring uh, out of good taste. So, uh, did you start? Uh, writing any comedy or performing any comedy until that wasn't until college, right? Comedy was post college. Oh, okay. I, I I was a late bloomer in that regard. I didn't start doing comedy until I was like twenty five or something like that. Okay, so you went to college though. Where'd you go to college? Boston. Boston College. Oh, you went to Boston College in okay. Boston, yeah. And uh, that was where you started doing. But you were into music and you were an English major, right? Yeah, I was mostly doing music at that point. I was like, you know, I played guitar, quote unquote, seriously, which basically meant like you know practicing a lot and all that um, what uh, what what kind of music did you play 
I played all sorts of silly stuff. You know, I was really into jazz at that point, like most annoying, annoying <laughs> college You're students. Boston so. college student playing. So were you into Rob Zombie before or after this? Ooh, that's a good question. I think I ha- I had Hellbilly Deluxe or Hill Hill Hillbilly Hell, Hell Billy Deluxe. Um, I had it when I came out, so I think that's like late nineties, early two thousands. Okay, but yeah, it went Rob Zombie. <laughs> Coltrane, <laughs> back back to Rob Zombie with some white zombie thrown in. Oh yeah, just kind of all over the place. Your musical yeah. interests are very diverse. I know. Uh, okay, so you started, but you started playing music at Mike's. Were you playing piano? Were you playing guitar? I was mostly playing guitar. I, I played piano, but I didn't really perform piano as well. Gotcha. I, mostly, I mostly was like brought around acoustic guitar. I'd play like folk songs and like songs of my own writing that were like kind of like. You guys know John Fahey at all? Name sounds familiar. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's like a like what you call like an Amer- like American like primitive music where it's like one drone string, dum dum dum, like a melody on top of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, kind, of, kind of droney. Yeah, but... very, very much droney. So yeah. I would play songs in that style, which believe me, were quite popular at the open mics. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Were you getting booked on any shows? Were you playing with any other musicians? No, I think I played like no. I, I was playing with other musicians like occasionally and uh, like gigging like very occasionally. But I was like tr- trying to do my own thing. It wasn't really wasn't really flourishing the way I would like to. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so dirges. <laughs> so you you uh, but I guess there were people doing comedy at these these mics they were they, That's they were right. open to any type of performance yeah the, the mic near my place is at a bar in jamaica plain which is a like kind of like a neighborhood in the south of boston and the the bar was called the alchemist i believe it's shut down now but yeah i would go there and play my you know depressing you know funeral music <laughs> <laughs> and you know and at the same open mics there would be comedians coming in p- plying their craft um so i would i would see that and after a few weeks i was like yeah maybe i could give that a shot so i think i just did the whole like notebook, write down ideas right. you come up with, and then like yeah, one day I did the mic. And I just did the stand up. Like, just destroyed. I would not just, say I destroyed, but I did not do. I would not say I did particularly bad or particularly well. It was a solid middle of the road reading jokes off a notebook performance. Okay, were there were there mostly musicians or mostly people it, doing comedy at this? It was probably like two thirds musicians. One third, oh wow! Okay, one third comedians. I, I don't think I've ever done a mic where there were also musicians. I think every mic I've done has been. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I don't know. I think generally, I would say that the term "open mic" generally in the popular consciousness applies to music. I think most people think of open mics as like a music thing. Really? Yeah, it's, it's it's almost more of like a variety show type thing. Yeah, I think it's more. I think our, our sensibilities have been perverted by being so closely aligned to the New York comedy scene that we just think about open mic as like what we are familiar with, which is like the comedy open mics. But I think open mic in general, I associate that term with like coffee shop guitar playing. Well, listen, yeah. listeners, tell us what you think in the poll yeah. that we'll post online. Do you think of it more as music or variety or comedy? And for the record, I'm correct. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being very diplomatic here, yeah, but I am absolutely correct. <laughs> You're yeah. very kind, Jacob. Please, uh, listeners, in the poll, listeners, please, if you, you decide. Check if you want to be right or wrong. <laughs> No, that's that, yeah. I, I think you're right. No, no, that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like, uh, I, I moved out to New York ten years ago, and I, I, I'm not a stand-up comedian. Uh-huh. I, I like to do comedy sketches. I write, I write sketches, but I'm uh, primarily a, a musician. And I, I've done a lot of open mics where I just play songs. Yeah, so that makes makes a lot of yeah, sense. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, yeah. How long did you How long did you play music at the mics for? 
I mean, you, you know, you get like 10 minutes. So that's no, like, no. I mean, like, oh, how sorry. many years were you? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I was, you know, maybe two or three before I started, like, getting more into comedy. Wow, really? Okay, yeah. so you were playing music at these things for two or three years before just, yeah, maybe, d- just yeah. ditching music. I would, I, I would say I gradually weaned myself off music. As I started spending more and more time doing comedy, I found it was difficult to do them both. Right. And, yeah, so basically, as, as I got more, quote, unquote, serious about comedy. And I, you probably fell in with... Uh, you know, very like-minded comedy people that would, yeah, know, that, and that helps. That I would say so. I would say I, I had far fewer music friends that I ultimately ended up having comedy friends, which... Did you work through college? Did you uh, have jobs through yeah, college? Yeah, I, I had a little shitty, like, you know, part-time jobs. Or did you work today uh, at a grocery store? I worked at, when I was in high school. I worked at a grocery store. Whoa! I was a bag boy. Nice. We skipped over that. I'm sorry. Formative part of my life. <laughs> How long were you a bag boy? Uh, two years. You want to hear the worst thing that ever happened to me as a bag boy? Yes. <laughs> I mean, we're, I'd like to hear the worst thing that happened to you at each each phase part of, of your life. life. Yeah. <laughs> I was just Stra- trying to actually, <laughs> well, was, every each year I need something terrible. <laughs> the worst thing that happened to me as a bag boy was that one of one of the bag boys' duties is to clean the public restrooms that oh. people use. Oh, oh buddy. buddy. Yeah. And one day I walked in the bathroom and everything looked normal, except the canister trash can was just in the middle of the room, which is not normally where it's in. Right. So all you gotta do here is drag the trash can to the corner of the room. But I guess some enterprising uh, member of the public had defecated in the middle of the floor. <laughs> oh man! Uh, adhered this trash can to that, and so when I dragged it, I. Oh. You can get the you get the idea of that. That's terrible. I worked at a bookstore in college, and uh, the worst thing same, same thing happened. Well, no, the worst thing, the worst. I mean, I, were, I worked at the Kennedy Institute. <laughs> Time, times is tough. I worked at the Large Hadron Collider, and one of the scientists did the exact same thing you're describing. I, that, that reminds me. I, I have a I have a friend from Minneapolis who used to work at a Staples store, and he uh, he, he he was telling me one time he walked in the bathroom and there were footprints of shit mm-hmm. like on the walls oh <laughs> and God. he was like how does like why'd uh, you do that <laughs> why did you do that <laughs> child's footprints or adults footprints yes yeah, uh, uh, adult adult yeah, sure. footprints that's of, borrowed shoes of, of, Uh, That's that's terrible. Uh, So at the bookstore I worked at, though, people would, I guess, get the adult magazines Mm -hmm. uh, and go in there and then use them. Uh, for, and then uh, and then just leave the magazine sitting there. Sure. So that was one of the wor- we never we didn't have like a lot of. I mean, there were people who like seemed to have missed the toilet with their shit somehow, just like uh, grazing the. That was not going. For, it's a very short distance. So, so you, you, would you restock the magazine? <laughs> no. Once it was out of the plastic, we couldn't put yeah. it back up. That's well, just yeah. a theft. Someone got away well, with. Well, they call that shrink in the industry. <laughs> when, when, you, when you have to lose your inventory like that. So when did you start submitting to uh, McSweeney's? Was that a college thing? Or Oh, no. Well, let's see. I if think, I'm jumping something, you know. I think I started submitting to McSweeney's, uh, yeah, right, right around the same time, more or less, I started doing uh, stand-up comedy. Oh, okay. So also, like, when I was, like, 25 or something like that. Did you get the Onion job first before you... St- okay, so McSweeney's was... McS- uh, McSweeney's was, like, the, maybe, maybe one of the first forays into written comedy. And for the record, I didn't get published after, like, at least a dozen submissions. So, like... Right. I was not getting published like for at least for like a couple of years worth of like firing blanks at them. So after college, you're doing stand up. After college, I'm mostly working catering and bartending type jobs. Eventually, I get like a job at, at a business magazine, and I'm writing for that. And then midway through that, I'm starting to do stand up, and then 
McSweeney's comes next. And then... While you're still in Boston. While I'm still in Boston. Okay. And, and then around being 25 or so, at that point, shortly after starting doing stand-up, I moved to New York. And in New York, I keep doing... To pursue it. stand-up. Pursue stand-up. Pers- okay. Pursue comedy in general. But also, this it's all kind of nebulous. Because at this point, I'm also, like, also kind of like semi-a journalist because I have this like business magazine job. So then I transitioned to like, writing for a legal magazine. But the first gig I have in New York in 2010 is I'm an intern at The Onion. Okay. And that was like my foot in the door there. And, and that was like, you know, the first thing I really was like, oh, well, like, I mean, The Onion was something I always like idolized, you know, as, as soon as And that I, was when their offices were still here. Right? Yeah, that's when their offices yeah. was in Soho. I, I did a, uh, when I first moved to New York 10 years ago, I, I did a background acting gig for an Onion oh, ad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe that was around the same time. Yeah, yeah. What, what, was, the, what was the ad? Uh, it was, I, I was just playing like an, an, an office guy. Oh, yeah. And, I, I, I can totally see that, man. Oh, <laughs> 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 well, I work in an office. Yeah, yeah just like to, pounding on type, the keyboard. Type, type, type. <laughs> yeah. Water cooler, water cooler. Pretend you're an office boy. Yeah. <laughs> so you did the uh, you did the onion uh, for what was the internship a year I guess? Or? Oh hell no. Oh, was this a, it was just a summer? Three or? months. Yeah. Oh okay. This was back before internships were paid. Ah. So a year. I think, when, I think a lot of them still aren't paid. No, no. You, oh, you, at the onion, they are. Every, everywhere they're paid now. Oh okay. Unless you get that cold. Co- hey, we win. College <laughs> credit scam. Yeah. 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 I think, Union. It, yeah. I think I think all in, un, internships at this point in time have to be paid. Cool. Yeah. So, so well, congratulations. Big win. Thanks, thanks, thanks Bernie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you did the you did the onion. You're doing stand up. What was your job? I guess uh, after. So that was when I started working at the Legal News Magazine, which is a mm. place called Law 360. Mm. And it's just like, you know, cut and dry writing news articles about court cases and like, you know, federal uh, regulation and that, that type of jazz. Very, 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 very dry content. But it was a good job because I could do it in the daytime and then focus on a little, doing a little stamp at night and work, you know, freelancing for the onion. Because after I finished my onion internship, they let you apply to be a freelancer. And I did that and I got in that. Oh, cool. And that basically consists of like sending in a list of 15 headlines every week. So every week I would like do my darndest to like, you know, make sure I had 15 good headlines. How much do they pay per published one? It depends how prominent the headline gets. If you get a one liner at the time, it was $25 and the scale may have changed since then, but going all the way up to, if you get a full story, it's a hundred dollars. I believe it was how on average, how much were you making from the onion a week? Oh, not a lot at all. I think, I think like, I mean, it's, it's hard to say because as I started doing more and more, they gave me more and more response or more and more opportunities to pitch in. But like, I think from just the headlines, I think if I got in like one a month, I would consider that a huge success. Cool. Um, you stopped doing stand up for a while, right? Yeah. After living in New York for like maybe six or eight months, I found the stand up scene here to be so demoralizing, particularly the open mic scene was just like so demoralizing. And some of the people, Bunch that, of assholes. people that were such it's, assholes. It's, it's so depressing. Yeah. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah, it was really an unfriendly environment. And I, did, I wasn't really making any friends. And I wasn't really enjoying it. But I was enjoying doing The Onion. I was like, you know what? I'll, 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 uh, I'll put my eggs into that basket. Thankfully, leave behind these horrible open mics. And, like, <laughs> and, like, and like, the, the idea was, like, I'll return to this at a later date, TBD. Yeah. And so I just did The Onion thing. Did, like, the, you know, living in Brooklyn thing for, like, you know, two years. And then... Yeah. So then the onion moved to Chicago, and then that's, you they moved they moved you. Yeah. At this point, I'd been uh, freelancing for like a year and a half, year and three quarters, something like that, and I'd been doing better and better, and like getting more and more assignments. So I was actually like making like you know a few hundred bucks a month. 
uh, and at this point, like, you know, I, I, I had applied for their fellowship, which is basically their, like, apprentice program where you, like, go there and and work for the Onion for, like, I think it was six months. Yeah, six months. So I applied for that twice, not gotten it twice, and then the third time I got it, and at that point I had to move to Chicago to... The, the apprenticeship, that that's like a, like, almost like a paid internship. Yeah, right? it's, it's slightly paid. Uh, I think at the time I was making... A thousand dollars a month, which is kind of insane because I was working like eighty hours a week. Oh, damn. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I think this was before wow. before the late the labor law caught up to <laughs> their, their little scheme yeah, there in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, much cheaper to live in Chicago, though. Not that cheap. Yeah, right. No, not that cheap, but but <laughs> I, considerably I mean, cheaper. Still, still, a, still a major city. Yeah. It's a major city. It was yeah. fortunate that I had been doing the law the law three sixty work for a couple of years because I had some savings from that and like you know. I was able to, to eke it out for sure. So, what made you uh, go back to stand up in Chicago? Uh, I think I had always like had the hunger to get back into it at some point, mm -hmm. and I felt that now that I had my foot in the door at the Onion, like you know, all right, you can keep this going, but also you know, spend time doing this other thing you enjoy doing and you haven't done for a while. So I started hitting the open mics again back in Chicago, and much friendlier. Oh my god, there. so much better. People in Chicago are just awesome. Yeah, well, it's because they're <laughs> drunker. No, they're just better people. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're just much nicer. They're just nicer, more fun, fundamentally yeah. <laughs> good people than the fucking scum-sucking uh, taxi driver types. That <laughs> oh, man. Really going after them today. <laughs> I, I mean, come on. You, you fucking live here. <laughs> no, we, we all get it. <laughs> was your, it's fair to say your uh, worst... Uh, experience on stage was probably in New York then, or Chicago, or did you have a rare bad time? I had in a Chicago? pretty bad set on my birthday three years ago. I forget if I ever told you this story. Oh, let's hear it. But this, if, this, if there's ever been a time or a place, this is this, it. This was in New York. This was at uh, what do you call it? the Butter Boys show in Littlefield, which is a, good, a very good like showcase here in New Have York. They booked you since? Oh hell no. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, they must be—they must see you getting booked everywhere else and be like, "What the fuck? What?" <laughs> this is like a particularly uh, bad performance and bad—I I did not re react to the adversity very well. Basically, this was three years ago, I believe. I think three years ago on my birthday, I was doing the Butterboy show and I happened to go first, which is you know yeah. not really a big deal. But if I maybe not gone first, I would have had a sense of what the crowd was. But you know, I went up there and did my usual. Act, but at the time I was kind of like less sensitive, I think, to like a certain crowd's uh, tolerance or what they want want to hear. Mm -hmm. So you know, this was this is in Park Slope, Gowanus, or whatever. These people are, you know, not really open, generally speaking, to like harsher, more like confrontational type jokes. And I was, in particular, there was two two members of the crowd that kept saying things when they found something I was saying objectionable on stage. Right. And at the time, my philosophy with, with, with hecklers was just ignore them. Right. For sure. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. just, usually, just, usually just the blow, best. Yeah, 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 just, just blow, blow through them. But yeah. the, I don't, I believe now that is not correct in a situation like this in which the heckler is dominating, dominating the, uh, the energy of the room. Hmm. So these, these two people were complaining about some of my jokes in both valid and invalid objections just real, really it's awfully nice of you to consider well, where so, they're coming I from think <laughs> some toward the end I think were valid but some toward the beginning were absolutely not valid and were insane um 
Do you remember like specifically what? Yeah, what there was, was one it? joke I, I told that I, I it was a joke about it was along the lines of like, yeah, I, I get my haircut. Um, I'll occasionally get my haircut at a black barber shop. The problem with that is it takes so long because everyone keeps shaking my hand and thanking me for healing our country's racial divide. <laughs> that's, I don't see a problem. And with the that. joke there is yeah, obviously right, right, right. Yeah, you know, that's fair. That's it's fair. obviously like some weird like white savior complex. Right, of, like, right. sure. The, the you don't of, actually feel that. No, yeah. but yeah, it's, uh, that's obviously the joke that to anyone who's not a fucking moron. Right, right. But this these people were like 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 objecting to that. Like object. I mean, I don't, I don't think they were really even like listening to anything that was happening. They just right. like, hear the word black barbershop and they assume I'm like. Yeah. Yeah. making some kind of dig or whatever, which I was definitely not. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it's not. A, if that was all you were doing, that's, yeah, you wouldn't be yeah. the type of comedian to get booked. No, it, it was some, it was some <laughs> If you just go over like, black barbershops suck, people like, wow, we can't believe uh, that guy. Yeah, no, it, 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 it had some nuance to it. Yeah. But anyway, so like a, a series of things like that where they were just like reading everything I was saying in extreme bad faith. And by the end of the show, like, like the, the energy of the room was like, absolutely like blank everyone was just like stone silence because these fucking people were just talking the whole time and I'm just getting madder and madder and I don't (laughs) remember 10 minutes yeah oh my god that's so uncomfortable by the end of it I'm telling my final joke which admittedly is quite offensive and it's offensive enough that I don't really do it that much anymore well would Um, you care to repeat it here I'll I'll repeat the premise of it which is that uh, the premise of it is like you know I'm kind of a socially awkward guy sometimes I think I might suffer from a condition known as face blindness and face blindness is when you can't distinguishing between two different people's faces. Everyone looks exactly the same if you have face blindness. And it's a terrible affliction, but the only positive to having face blindness is it basically gives you the excuse you need to pick up any kid you want from soccer practice. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can always be like, oh, you're not my son. You're that tasty, tasty little blonde one. You, you know? so, tasty little blonde one. So it's like along the lines of that, and it gets worse and worse. And I admit, I admit now in the light That's of... That's not the end? Oh my god, it gets far worse. But, but I admit that it's, it's a little much, and maybe especially in light of the reaction I was getting from my previous material. But the point is, it, the gig was just spiraling, and toward the end of it, I can't get a word in edgewise. Right. These people are just keep talking, and finally, I'm like, I had like 20 words left in this joke, and I'm like, I'm leaving, and I just walked off stage. Was there any applause? I don't even remember. I was battering. I, was, I don't remember. I was in like a fucking like coma at this point. Oh man, that's amazing. So that was 100 percent my worst gig I've ever had. Oh buddy, uh, yeah, that was like three years ago. It wasn't even that long ago. Yeah. Do you remember who was hosting? Uh, yeah. It was, well, it would have been either Joe Firestone. Okay. Uh, oh, I love Joe. Yeah. She, she, Joe's she, great. She, she's, yeah. she's she's amazing. No, she's amazing. She was very apologetic yeah. about how it had all gone. Not, oh, not, okay. I mean, not that it was entirely. No, of course. I, I mean, I think a lot of it was my fault. Of course, I don't totally blame the room. But had no. you been? At, I mean, not that. Uh, had you been celebrating your birthday before the show? Or you? No. no. Or you? So this was a. So yeah, this coincidentally happened to fall on my birthday, and I invited a couple people who live in the area. Like, yeah, come come out of the show. We'll go out for drinks afterwards. And, oh my god! And one, one oh, here we go. One of them had shown up, and he had witnessed this, and he was like, "Wow!" <laughs> and the other one came late, and because I went on first, he didn't see it, so so he had to be like, "So how'd it go?" I was like, oh, well, it was like a life-changing bad experience. <laughs> the worst thing of my life. Oh, yeah, worst day of my life. <laughs> and so so, a, so after I got off stage, I'm in the back room, like, fuming. Like, the other comics are, like, you know, consoling me. Like, oh, well, that was, you know, bad shake or whatever, you know, whatever. So I'm just pissed off. And at the end of the show, I go out into the main area to, like, greet my friend. And, like, I, there's definitely, like, an aura about me of, like, failure and, like, just, like, 
having to endure that. And then these two people come up to me. And I don't really see who they are, but they're the fucking people that were heckling no! me. No, and they're going back in for round like eight or whatever. They're, they're like uh, coming at me again. Really? They, just they, like they, outside? They they just couldn't let it go. They couldn't let it go. They're still coming after me and, and and like you know lecturing me on various hilarious points of theirs. And then some other people come up to them and they're like, "Hey, that wasn't cool what you did interrupting his set." Oh so now I'm in the middle of this fracas between two warring factions of the crowd. Jesus, you gotta get out of there, man. I mean, it was it was a goddamn disaster through and through. And no, I, I've I've never been booked there again. I, I would never, certainly never ask to be. I'm gonna start an online thing no, to get no, you no. booked we're, back there. I think we're gonna let this one go. All right. Well, we'll see what the listeners who are still voting in that earlier. Yeah. Should Jenny has a chance at redemption? So I heard in another interview that you still get nervous on stage, which like I kind of find surprising because you always seem so smooth. Well, I'm Greg finish laughing yeah, at that well, last part. Yeah, so, sorry, that, that, was, that was very funny to me. Yeah, it was funny. It's, it's one of those things that's like way funnier in hindsight. As we get further from it. Yeah, it was not very funny at the time. It was definitely not very funny for like the two weeks. I was just like mulling it over. Well, so you, you mentioned uh, in another interview I listened to that you, you still get nervous on stage sometimes which I, I, I find surprising because I've seen you perform mm-hmm. several times and you seem very cool confident up there also you've been performing stand up for about over two, a decade yeah about a decade and change right. at this point I don't really get that nervous I would say I only get a little apprehensive like when trying something new I would say okay. it's always kind of like a, a risk you know right of course at this point I'm confident enough in like whatever it is I'm bringing to the stage and well, now I'm now I'm beginning to think maybe that show had something to do. <laughs> it just still yeah, so that was definitely formative in that like you know once you face the worst thing that can happen on stage, uh, well, I mean that's probably the worst thing that happened to be honest, but you know, right. one of the worst things that can happen to a performer. Yeah. But yeah, I mean you know f- failures definitely uh, temper you in ways that are useful for the future. For sure. Uh, so you were. We're going back to Chicago here. Sure. You got hired to work for the Late Show. While you were still living there, right? Yes. I uh, had been working for The Onion for like two years in Chicago, and then I saw that Colbert was starting this new show, the, the new Late, late Show. He, he took over for Dave. Took yeah. over for Dave. And um, I was like, oh, wow, this sounds like a great opportunity. Like, I should... Because at the time, I didn't have a manager or anything, so I was like, mm-hmm. I should get a manager and try to apply for this show, which I did, and basically applied for a writing job. So you, I, you just quickly got a manager? I managed to get a manager pretty quickly. This okay. is a, a hot tip for all the listeners who want a manager. What I did was I applied for an IMDb Pro account, like the trial. I, I have one of those too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. if you have a, if you have the idea, I had like you know the thirty day trial or whatever, and if you have the Pro account, it gives you the contact information for everyone on the website. So if you want Tom mm-hmm. Cruise's agent's phone number, it's available. Yeah, it, it has like phone numbers, email addresses. Like it's actually very, uh, very informative. Good resource if you're trying to kill yeah. Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, yeah. <laughs> listeners, while you're voting in that poll, yeah. be sure to look up Tom Cruise's address. Yeah, but join Scientology today. Yeah. Um, so basically, I, I ha- having that uh, that information, I, I I got the contact information of any com- comedy writer I could think of. So I had all these agents and managers' email addresses, and then I just sent them cold emails saying, "Hey, I work for the Onion. I was thinking about moving to the TV. Would you might you know, would you represent me?" And I got like three responses and I picked a guy off of that and it worked out I mean that's that's yeah. that's a pretty then, amazing and story and then the, the first packet I got was a Colbert packet wow it's so yeah. cool so you uh, so you applied they uh, just accepted or what how does that <laughs> what happened well I applied I applied to be a writer and I got to the final interview round 
and the interview did not go particularly well. Well, and at that, that point, do you interview with Colbert himself? At that point, okay. you interview with the man himself. With Steven. And I had, uh, the night before the interview, I had checked my webcam, because it was a virtual interview. Oh, okay. And I had yeah. checked to make sure my webcam worked, and it did. But I failed to check the software drivers for the, uh, like, a Google whatever. And this is before everybody just had Zoom. Yeah. Before, yeah. before we were, you yeah. know, flawless in our <laughs> yeah, video Yeah, this is Google Meet Hangouts. Yeah, yeah. All, it, all, it, it was something, all it was something of that ilk. And that I failed to check so that when it came time for the big interview with the big cheese, my webcam wasn't <laughs> functioning. So it was Steven and four or five producer head writers and then, like, the... F- default blue avatar oh you know the fucking like you know silhouette of a person right 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 and i was like oh fuck <laughs> fuck 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 and uh that definitely uh sabotaged no it sabotaged my confidence incredibly <laughs> and the interview did not go well i did not get the job but a few months later i was invited to apply for the web producer writer job which is like writing like backstage skits and stuff and i applied for that and got that and so then I packed my bags for New York City. Again, oh, cool! The second time. Yeah. So you got back. You're working for the show. Yeah. You're still, and then you just got back into stand up mm-hmm. here. You started doing it here because you were already doing it in Chicago. Were you like pretty established in Chicago, or you? Moved I was. Back? I was getting there in Chicago. Um, I wasn't like you know like an old pro or anything, but I was like you know I was get, getting booked and stuff. And then I was back in New York, where like you you automatically start way farther down the ladder. Well, I mean, if you if you come in with, uh, you know, with Friends, if you go, uh, you came with friends from Chicago, I, right? I, that I were, had some friends, but not not enough. And also, I wasn't good enough. But that. they were doing comedy too, so you had some people that you could go yeah, around. Yeah, I, I knew a lot of people, but I, I just wasn't good enough. Wasn't connected enough. <laughs> didn't really have like you know my act together. Do, do you ever perform at like Zany's or like the <laughs> the Laugh Factory? I performed the Laugh Factory once or twice. I know. Oh, cool, I, cool, I went cool. to Zany's. That, that's the one on the, in the suburbs, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've yeah. only been there once to see John Lovitz. I've never performed there. Uh, <laughs> nice. So yeah. the year you started at uh, Colbert was the year, I, th- I think his first guest, and correct me if I'm wrong, was Jeb Bush. Did he have Jeb Ooh, Bush on as his Jeb first? Bu- Jeb Bush was one of the first guests because at that point he was a presumptive nominee. Right. So And, it, and everyone was like convinced it was going to be Jeb. Right. So it was the, but you, you started at the, at the late show, you started your, uh, you know, late night TV comedy writing mm-hmm. at probably the worst possible time anyone could start. <laughs> just, just, just the worst. Just, yeah. It could not have been fun as, as you watch just, uh, that guy. Remember the guy, the apprentice guy? Yeah. yeah. The, the guy from the eighties. Yeah. He was in small hands. He was in Home Alone. He was in, he was in Home Alone or something. Orange boy. Orange hands. Here we go. Face skin. We don't need to do that. So, but like it must Long have. Been, I mean, but you, you, you probably got into it thinking that wouldn't be the case. No, yeah, it, it just <laughs> you were looking forward to making fun the, of the President day, Hillary Clinton. The day probably. I got hi, the day I got hired was the day that Long Time and walked down the escalator and gave his like little like you know I'm running for president speech. And then from that point, it was nothing except that uh, until inauguration day of Joe Biden. <laughs> so they say, um, you know, it can be tough. Uh, would you say it's tougher on a slow... Well, I guess you never really had one, but would you imagine it would be tougher to write on a slow news day, or is it tougher writing for just the most horrible shit ever going on all the time? Uh, it's probably easier just because you have more things to write about. Just when, like, when it's yeah, horrible yeah, shit a, all the a time. A fast, <laughs> horrible day is better than a slow day, for sure. And, you know, we just try to do the best we can with the hilarious political climate. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned writer's block and how you're not allowed to get writer's block. Yeah. I think when you do something like that every day, you just have to write, you know, especially when you're getting paid to do it. Like, right. 
you don't you, know, you never have the luxury of being oh I wasn't inspired today right you, know, you just have to fucking you, you do just it. have to buckle down buckle and, down write something give yeah. them something to deal with you know and that is like the luxury of having like a job like that or the onion anything like that where you just there's no option not to do it you have to do it and doing that thousands of times gets you pretty good at doing it in your own life you know do you remember any uh, any of your favorite bits that you wrote for the onion or uh, Colbert <laughs> that uh, were that were rejected? Rejected, yeah. Uh, or I mean, if, any that you remember that got that got accepted. One headline. Go what, ahead. I was just. I mean, I always think about onion headlines because the onion was the best. Um, one I always remember was when James Gandolfini died. Like a, like a day, because remember he died in Italy. He was in Italy at the time, and I, I had a headline a couple days after, which was just. <laughs> James Gandolfini's body returned to U.S. and it's just a, a, a picture of a shipping crane pick, picking up a, a giant ship shipping container. <laughs> oh, that's so dark. <laughs> oh, oh, buddy. People love The Soprano. I mean, it's a great show. I find it very funny. But Man, uh, there's going to be some online. If, uh, if the oh. tweens, if the TikTok tweens pick up on this Dude, part TikTok, of this the interview, TikTok they're going to come after us oh, all. The, the Gen Zs. They're going to come <laughs> they after love us the all. <laughs> yeah, you didn't know that? Like, the kids are all watching Sopranos now and they're, like, getting super into it. It's like... I saw an article saying... There's 20 years later. Yeah. People that were, were watching, I didn't realize they were that young. I thought, it was Oh, like, yeah, it's the kids, man. Oh, They're right. all super into it. Wow. Yeah. Sorry, kids. Uh, when I worked at Late Show, it used to really bug me when people would get uh, Late Show and Tonight Show mixed up. Yeah. But oh. you weren't dealing with, like, John Q. Public as much as we were. I, I still often yeah. will be doing a, a comedy set, you know, and someone will be like, you may have seen the last guy on uh, Late Night with Stephen Colbert or, like, Late... Late show with Seth Meyers, like it's it's con- <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's constantly it's, from professional it, comedians. It, it's, Late yeah, show with Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, it's yeah th- that also bothered me. I mean, there's like or, 20 of these fucking shows. Like, I don't blame anyone for not being able to. Yeah, see if you see work in comedy, show, though, if you, but they're all exactly the same. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, what are you gonna do? Like, oh, that was a different guy in a suit talking about Trump. <laughs> How dare you? The nuances are. Uh, I'm one of the three Jimmies. Yeah, it's like this is nonsense. <laughs> so you. Uh, so then the pandemic happened, yeah. Um, and you got into cooking, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pastas, Italian. Lot, what kind of food were you? Cooking? A lot of pasta, a lot of comfort food, you know, because you want to make something you can eat over like the course of four days. So like, yeah, a lot of, a lot of pasta, a lot of casseroles. Yeah, I'm, I'm like a comfort food guy in general. Was it hard writing? Um, I mean, I know. I, I think you mentioned that when you were writing at in the writers' room, I guess, or at, at the office, it was kind of best to be able to tune at every, everyone else out because you have to write separately before then bringing it together, right? Well, oftentimes you're writing with a partner. Okay. And so you wouldn't be able to tune them out. But if I was ever... <laughs> I mean... That's pretty rude. They, they don't like it when you're, when you're <laughs> listening to Black Sabbath. <laughs> um, Did you, do you listen to music when you write? Yeah. I, I usually listen to music that's less active than Black Sabbath. I'll listen, I'll listen to like... You know, things are a little, like, dronier and, like, more... more. Your old recordings from college. Right, yeah. yeah. Just things are, like, easier to, like, to, to melt in the background. Yeah. Music without lyrics, usually. Yeah. I, a lot less, less aggressive music. Less aggressive, like, field recordings and, like, just, like, kind of, like, repetitive, like, electronic music and things like that, you know? Cool. Yeah. Um, so, when the pandemic was going on, though, was, was it weird to write in that? You know, to write from home or... What? No. no. I mean, it was a... Pr- pretty easy system because we still have all the software we'd need you know right so you'd still be able to um you know collaborate using slack and you know our, our script writing software and all that so i never found it to be 
much of a challenge and we still made you know shows we made, we, we never made any fewer shows in quarantine like people were pr- predicting at the time like oh we're gonna have to like cut back the schedule somewhat but we still made five shows a week somehow yeah so i realized i skipped over uh, a very important life achievement that you had you had a hilarious set on the show yes i did it was very hilarious so how did that come about uh, you know, you work there. If you work there, it's probably pretty easy to. I, 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 I would say it's. Hey, uh, yes, uh, how about me? I, I will admit that I probably had an easier lane based on the fact that I worked there, yes. But, um, yeah, basically, you know, I've been doing stand for a while. And, like, once I got the confidence to be like, all right, here's my five minute set. Actually, I think at the time, they may even have said, like, hey, if anyone on the staff is interested in, like, you can, you can submit, you can try to do this. Was it, were there, uh, were there any other stand ups mm-hmm. working there? Okay. There are a few stand ups that worked there. And you beat them all. Yeah, I guess you could say that. <laughs> bash Name little, names. Who'd you beat? Ba- bash that little brains in. <laughs> get get him. Get him yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I, I, I managed to do that. And uh, yeah, I, I, I did my stamp set. God, what in the, when the fuck did I tape that? I think it was like at the end of 2018. And then it aired at the beginning of 20, 2019, if I'm, if I'm not incorrect. I think that's right. Did you find that you got asked to do a lot more shows around the city? Are you... Are you Hell, no, really? Hell, hell no. <laughs> that's no, so interesting. No one gives you shit here, man. You, really? Yeah, you have to keep asking for everything. They're like, oh, that's that guy from the Butterboy show. Yeah, I, I mean, like... <laughs> no, nobody cares. Yeah, no one get, like, a credit here in New York is fucking meaningless. The only thing it helps having when you do something like that is you can go to different towns in the U.S. and do, like, I was able to use that tape to get, you know, headlining shows throughout the country. Oh, okay. But it really doesn't give you anything in New York because... If you go, if you go to any like, sh- sh- like just uh, if you, any, in the comedy scene here, there are dozens of people who have late night sets, and it doesn't really get them much in New York. Because hmm. at, at a time, there was a point where like there'd be six of these fucking things a week, you know? Because there, there's so many of these shows. At, at the time, there was like Conan, Kimmel, Seth Meyers, Fallon, and Colbert were all all doing. Right, people, I guess when I guess when Fallon moved to New York, when he moved the Tonight Show to New York, uh-huh. I guess that really made it even worse. For that type yeah, of thing. I, I just think that at, 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 or better, there's you know, certainly really a time when like the, yeah. the market was so saturated with these late night sets that it doesn't really achieve, achieve you much in New York, to be honest. Yeah, no, that, that's true. Like I, I've been to a lot of shows, you know, at the cellar and whatnot. It's just like, hey, this person's been on, you know, well, yeah. the cellar. Or this the, per- the cellar, of course. C- cellar's but, a bad example. I think right. a better example is if you go to a bar show right. here yeah, and, and there are eight yeah. people there in like the Lower East Side. Yeah, the performers right. will have like good credits and they'll be very funny, but like it doesn't even fucking matter. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's they're like, not even getting uh, like every, yeah, everyone. It's an over. Stand-up market is quite oversaturated with stand-ups, so that the credits that we do have are less important because well, the pandemic that. has helped with that. Has it? I mean, it, take, it took out at least two percent of them. Oh, there you go. Yeah, all those, all those, <laughs> Ooh, all those nursing, n- nursing home, uh, nursing home com- comedians. Right. Uh, you've done how many times have you done stick or treat? By the way, oh, uh, I think just once. You're talking about Luisa Diaz, this thing, right? Uh, I, if, is that who produces that? Yeah, yeah. I, I did it once. I was Millennial Rodney Dangerfield. Ah, see, yeah. I heard in another podcast you wouldn't reveal what the uh, what the bit was. Oh, was so that, pri- was that, was that prior to it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I would, you, I'll reveal it after the fact. Oh, good. I, well, I just want. I was. I was. I spent all day after I listened. I, pro- I probably wasn't going to reveal it beforehand, yeah, because it was a secret. But yeah, I was Millennial Rodney Dangerfield. I was just like you know. Like, oh, I'm all right now, but last week I couldn't even. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just like shit like that for two minutes. Are you a big Halloween guy? I enjoy it, yeah. Are you, is it your, is fall like your season? 
Uh, more of a summer guy, to be honest. But oh, man, me too, fall, brother. Fall, fall's, fall's fine. Greg, yeah. how about you? I am the polar opposite. You're a winter I, guy? I'm a, I'm a winter guy. Uh, I, I have a history of heat strokes. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I've, I've medically. Spent, yeah, I've spent time in, in comas. Uh, oh, yeah, well, I, I can see, I, why, see I, why summer burned you then. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it actually burned me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so what are you up to now, Django? Well, I'm going to leave in a couple of days for Chicago for a week. And I'm going to do some shows there. I mean, professionally. Oh, professionally. <laughs> well, what, well, give me more fucking guidance then, asshole. <laughs> yeah, don't make me feel like I did something wrong here. You're no, like, no. It's, no, that's, that's great to hear, too, though. <laughs> you're, uh, but you, you've, you've, you're no longer yeah, at the uh, no late show. Com- Colbert, I'm pursuing uh, my own personal... Uh, Projects. Well, nice, very, nice to very, have that set on the show to, to yeah. bone voyage they with. They I guess. can't take that away from me. No. Yeah, it's, it's um, a, it's and good. if they try, we'll, we'll start a letter uh, campaign. That's get, right, uh, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> While you're voting, get out your quills. It's a good thing to have on the resume. No, it's great. Yeah. It, it, it's solid. But so, yeah. so you're going to Chicago to just do some shows for do the, some shows there. Let me go to Detroit and do the same, and I'll be back. You know, I think I'll be I'll be gone for like ten days or so, and then I'll be back uh, on Halloween night. Cool. Um, when are the, the Detroit shows are after it, right? After Chicago. Yeah, yeah. It's Chicago. When are those shows? The Detroit shows are the 29th and the 30th of October. Of October, yes. This will this will be airing mm-hmm. the day before that, I think. This I think this will be on the 28th. Yeah, that's right. Motor City. Yeah, big Motor City listeners. City. Quit voting in that thing we told you to vote in earlier. If you haven't finished yet, just get up and go to these shows, yeah. all right? Run, don't walk. I, I, I have a quick question for you, Jingo. Uh, yeah. Do you prefer uh, performing stand-up or writing? Uh, they both have their charms. I think stand-up is more of like a visceral thrill, yeah. and it's more fun, mm-hmm. just in the moment. Writing is better in that like you really get to hone on something and like really elevate something. You make get to make something as good as it can get, you know. Definitely, definitely. But um, yeah, I think they, they both have their charms. Yeah, I think stand-up is more of like kind of like a in the moment action type thing. But they're both. Do you still good. play music? Here and there. I started playing the banjo during the quarantine. Oh. And so Going full Steve Martin. Full Steve Martin, yeah. If I, if I can <laughs> st- st- steal his act, I'll, I'll be done. Uh, Let's get Marty Short on the line. There yeah. we go. Yeah. Um, so where can people find you online? Just Twitter, I think, right? Twi- Twitter is the one I use. I don't really use any of the other websites. You're not yeah. on the gram? Not on the gram. I'm not really like a photo guy. I've never. Oh, I have tons of photos of you. Well, you may have them, but I don't have them of the world around me. Tweet at me if you want to see these sweet pics, yeah. guys. Candid Django boudoir shots. If you want to see him sleeping in a hotel, I got it. Uh-huh. Uh, all right, so Twitter, it's just at Django. So you were the first Django to get a Twitter account? Is that how that worked? There was a Chinese semiconductor manufacturer that for years was squatting on the at Django account, and they wow. weren't tweeting anything and after a few years of it I forget how this happened but I had some kind of line to the people at Twitter I think through the onion I, I knew a guy who was like kind of like in good with the the Twitter people so I asked him to ask them like hey this account isn't doing shit it's at Django can I just have it give me at Django I'm yeah. at Django yeah. <laughs> let me get it this is before the movie I guess no this was after the movie because the movie came out in 2012 oh yeah and uh yeah, this was like you know 2015 or something like that. Because I was at Django Gold for the longest time, and then yeah, I, I secured the mononym. Pretty cool, man. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And that's it. You, you have a website or anything, or just yeah, uh, yeah. You should go to DjangoGold.com. Oh, uh, DjangoGold.com. Is that yeah. a family name, by the way? Or? Django or Gold? 
Gold is definitely a family name, I would say. <laughs> it's weird because my parents had the same one. <laughs> Interesting. Probably related. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Django, is that a family name? Django, have we, have we never discussed this. Uh, Django. It's possible we did in real life, but why don't we talk about it here now? <laughs> I'm, na- I'm, I'm named after a gypsy jazz guitar player named Django Reinhardt. Oh, okay. And my parents were like beatniks, you know, like hippie beatniks. So I got named after Django Reinhardt, yeah. Awesome. Well. And, and yeah. I think we've explored everything. Turned everything at all. Cool, man. Yeah. Thank you so much for being with us, man. It was great to have you. That was amazing. Thank and who you, are you going man. to see tonight? Black Midi. Black Midi. Check them out, kids. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Only kids. Well, yeah, they, they, children. They, they are kind of a young band. Like the, the kids in the band are like in their twenties, like young twenties. They're like babes in the woods. Mm, perfect line to leave on. <laughs> <laughs> Django, thanks again, man. Great to see you. Good to be here. Yeah, thank you so much. That of was course. amazing. Wow, what an episode, Greg. It was it was great to have Django here, and we got him in and out. He's on his way to see a, a, a band I've never heard of, so that's exciting. <laughs> He's about to go watch some rock and roll. Yeah, or maybe, some, I don't know, it could be rap. We never know. You know, Have you heard of the band? No. Could be anything. <clears throat> I, I, maybe I, it's maybe I, it's funeral drudge dirge music or whatever he does. Uh, I, I love live music in all capacities. Oh, that's a great message for everybody. <laughs> all right, guys, remember to vote in that poll, and thanks for listening. Yeah.